welcome back to the Storytelling Organization, which is a journey into the world of corporate podcasts, podcasts for startups, podcasts for business, B2B podcasts, what it's about and what it could be and how it's changing. My name's Graham Brown. I'll be your guide for today to introduce a new chapter in this journey for you about the evolving shape of the storytelling organization. Now, the storytelling organization, if you listen to the previous episode, is really about what podcasts can do for a company today and also what companies need to be, you know, how they need to communicate, how they need to communicate authentically, how they need to communicate in a more engaging way and how they need to communicate as human beings as opposed to brands. So if you missed any of that, go back to episode one in the storytelling organization and hear me on the subject of what exactly is a storytelling organization. Today, I want to talk about a key differentiator in how people both view and consume podcasts. So as we all know, podcasts have really exploded in recent years. The pandemic has done a lot to put podcasts on the map, both in terms of people listening, but also creating content, which is great. You know, when I started this podcast business in 2018, people were like, you know, why do you want to do that? Why don't you do YouTube? You know, podcast, oh, that's so old-fashioned. But then 2019, boom, it all came home. And I would like to say I was in the right place. We, as a team, were in the right place at the right time. But sometimes you have to see the distant signals that others don't get. And today I want to talk about that. And you have to have a belief in it that it's the right thing. In 1997, 98, I set up a web design business. It was a failed venture. It was my first business. And go back to 97, it was the era of Windows 97 and Netscape Navigator, a very different era to what we have now. But there were brands, companies back then buying website design. So I got in the space. I got my foot in the door selling websites. And back then, people's understanding of websites and the web generally was very, very different. We only had just started seeing Google in 98. And Amazon, unless you were maybe a very small group of people in the US, Amazon was nothing. So we didn't really have those big case studies like we have now. Forget about any of the social media that's turned up in 2006, you know, seven or eight years later. Back then, people saw websites as brochureware. Brochureware meaning, and it was actually a term, brochureware meaning scanning the brochure and putting it onto the website as scans, just as images. Because most people saw websites through the paradigm of what came before. And that's a key word that I want to come back to, paradigm. It's like a lens. Like they say, if the only tool in your kit is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And so if you only understand websites as digital brochures, then like the guy with only the hammer in his toolkit, everything looks like a nail. You see everything as a brochure. You can only ever see a website as an electronic version of the printed brochure beforehand. So that paradigm shapes how you use it and consume it. And that is new media, but business as usual. Back then in 1998, there were 5 million websites. Today, there are 1.7 billion. So 
more than 300 times more websites. For every website in 98, there are 300 today. So it's just exploded. And core to that explosion is the breaking out of the paradigm that held websites and the internet generally back. And I want to talk about that in the context of podcasts today, because the paradigm holds back our understanding. It takes us to that point. But beyond that, we need a new paradigm. And the paradigm I want to look at today with podcasts is this idea of podcast as content, which is an old paradigm in my belief, and podcasts in the new paradigm as connection. Let's step back a little bit and understand paradigms. So we've looked at it in the concept, the context of web. Now let's have a look at about new paradigms emerging in different areas of science and society. Let's look at the computer. So by virtue of the fact that you are now listening to me, talking to you or watching the video potentially on YouTube, you are using some form of a computer. And where did that computer come from? Well, you could probably trace the origin of that computer back to the early home computers, you know, maybe the VICs, the Commodores, the ZX Spectrums. If you remember those guys, you're going way back to the 80s. But there were computers before that. And if you actually look inside a computer and understand how it works, and you know, I was programming in 1981, giving my age away a little bit, programming basic. There is a layer underneath the language layer of a computer called machine code. And that's really like the DNA of a computer. It's, it's how it talks to itself and how it runs all these programs. And if you look at how that works and how the computer is structured, you get an understanding of how we understand it. So if you open up your computer or open up your phone, you'd probably see memory, right? And, you know, it's very convenient little sticks of memory that you can put into your computer, or you can get the little inserts, the SD cards you put in your phone or even your camera. It's memory cards, right? And you probably understand the idea of a CPU, a central processing unit. And then if you look deeper into the computer, there's this concept of logic. You know, computers run on logic gates and or etc. A bit like a, an electric circuit board, you know, with the lights and the little switches, the logic gates. Now, that paradigm has worked until now. That's how we've understood computers. And it's also, importantly, how we've understood the brain. You know, we've looked at the brain, and in the early days of cognitive science, the 60s and the 70s, we looked at the brain and we thought, mm, it kind of operates a bit like a computer. And then we borrowed lots of concepts from computers. So, you know, the brain had a memory. It had a CPU-like center of the operating processes of the brain. It worked on logic. And that's how we understood how everything works. And there are lots of analogies. There's lots of similarities, I should say, between the brain and the computer. And we sort of borrowed one understanding from the other. We borrowed the paradigm of computing and we've used it to understand the brain. And people will talk about the brain as a computer. And sometimes people will look at the computer and say, the brain of the computer. So they're interchangeable, but they are ultimately limited. And let me explain why. Because if you actually look at where the paradigm came from, the original paradigm of the computer came from the original computers. And you've got to go way back to Charles Babbage, 
who invented the first mechanical computer. And he built that computer on the paradigm of the mechanical loom. That mechanical object, which you should slide a bobbin through to make cloth, to make textiles. The loom became the computer, and the computer's understanding of that computer, our understanding of it, became our understanding of the brain. So much of what we understand in cognitive science today about how our brain works is borrowed from a machine that used to make cloth. Now, you might not believe me, but if you open up a computer and look inside it, there are many similarities. If you've ever learned machine code, which is an archaic sort of very core language to a computer, it has concepts such as the stack. Machine codes are built on a stack, and these may even exist in other languages today. Now, look at that stack. The stack is something that you push and pull. You push some code or you pull some code from or to the stack. That stack actually is found on a loom. So the original cloth, the tablecloths or the fabric that people used to make in the mills, the cotton mills of Manchester in the Industrial Revolution back in the 17th century used a stack. And they put cards, these little punch cards with holes in them on this stack. They pushed it and pulled it on the stack. And that made that row, that pattern on the cloth. And the funny thing is, if you read Bill Gates's biography, and you go way back to before he started Microsoft, and when he was with Paul Allen at Washington University, they used to sneak into Washington University computer labs during the night when these things weren't being used and find these old mainframe computers, you know, these huge things like you see in the movies, like in NASA, you know, those big consoles. And he used to do all his programming on cards. So what are we talking about? Why are we talking about looms and stacks and computers now? Well, because look, if we truly want to get to the next level with understanding of the brain and how it works, and we are entering that era now, folks, we're entering the era of artificial intelligence and machine learning and that sort of crossover with computational processing, that we've got to move away from this understanding, this paradigm that has locked us in for the last hundred years. It got us to this point, but the next stage in the journey requires a different paradigm. And if you look at some of the groundbreaking research coming out from scientists in the, the sphere of neuropsychology, they've looked at the brain and they found it isn't organized in these nice little logic gates of and or, like we think, these ones and zeros, like we assume it, like some electrical circuit board. The reality is, is that the human brain is organized into billions and billions of maybes. So our paradigm of the brain has to change. My point is this as well, is that same with podcasts. You know, podcasts have come to us through a paradigm which is no longer effective. It gets us to this point just as we got to the point of introducing the first websites as brochureware. But to get to the next level, to have things such as social media or e-commerce or whatever that is, this wonderful world of 2 billion websites, we have to change the paradigm that got us here. 
And the core to that paradigm in podcast is the old model of podcast as content and the new paradigm as connection. So when we talk about podcasts as content, what exactly are we talking about? We're talking about podcasts as content, content marketing, social media. That's how people see it. They see it through the lens of what came before it. And you'll see that as well in the podcast industry. Most people talk about podcasts as a content problem. They'll talk about the key focus for any brand in creating a podcast is the content. But I want to put it to you this. If you're a brand thinking about a podcast or you're running a podcast, content isn't your problem. Communication and connection are because you already have great content inside your organization. The challenge now is to unlock that human potential. And if we were to take the content model of podcasts Let's have a look at the people who are creating that content. There is actually a real demand for that. You know, there is a world of B2C podcasts which are marketed at consumers. And that is where the content model works because just like advertising and the old ad agency world, you go to an agency and you ask the agency to create a story for your brand. It's no different from brands now going to podcast agencies and asking for a brand original podcast. It's exactly the same. And even the dynamics are the same is the actual narrative and the story come from the agency. Often they'll use actors, proxies, people who aren't actually part of the organization. And that's no different from how we've been doing advertising for 70 years. Agency recruits actors, influencers, brand ambassadors, mascots, people dressed up in a tiger costume, whatever it may be, even a clown, to represent your organization. But consumers today don't see organizations through that paradigm. They don't see it through the logo or the marketing campaign. They experience brands through the people. And therefore, our podcasts have to reflect that. Sure, there is a place for ad agency style podcast, just as there always has been a place for ad agency, big idea advertising. But if you really want to connect with people in an authentic and engaging way, you need to think about podcast as a tool for connection. So let's break that out a little bit. How do we understand podcast as a tool for connection? Well, first is to understand that people consume podcasts, both as consumers and businesses. Sometimes when you say to people that you create B2B or corporate podcasts, they don't understand. Um, the people of the content world don't understand that because they think they envisage the company sitting around listening to a podcast. It doesn't happen. Companies don't listen to podcasts in the same way. Companies don't buy software. An individual buys the software in that company and the company pays for it. So if you're in the business of selling software, then you're not influencing the company, you're influencing the individuals within that company. And that's B2B, you're not targeting the business, you're targeting the individuals in the business. And the difference between B2C and B2B is not the difference between an individual and a company. They're both individuals, it's just in what context you're connecting with them. So 
Let's have a look at why you don't need to understand podcasts as content, because you already have great content inside your organization. You have people, you have partners, you have an ecosystem, you have experience, you have stories. And that, everybody, ladies and gentlemen, is enough. You don't need to recruit a proxy, an external agency who can create that story for you. The stories are inside your organization. What you have to do is unlock that potential because they are in there and they are happening day in, day out. I guarantee in your organization, there are some very high value individuals who are having conversations day in, day out that are often repetitive, that they can recite in their sleep, that they have honed and refined for many, many years, but are much more valuable to a wider group of people than maybe the handful of people that they reach on a daily basis behind closed doors. As a connection tool, podcasts have many potential applications for a company. Of course, there is the one hour that you get sitting with the guest. That guest could be one of your clients. It could be a prospect. It could be an industry authority. It could be an influencer, a thought leader, or an author. It could be your own people. Think about the potential of creating a platform to connect those people with your audience. It's huge. You can use podcasting as a form of business development. You could use podcasting to showcase your partnerships and your ecosystems. You could use podcasting as a hiring tool because I guarantee if somebody's interested in your business, the first thing they're going to do is go to the about page. And three minutes later, the next thing they're going to do is go and listen to their podcast because you know what? People will join the company, of course, because of the brand and the reputation. But today, increasingly for the people of that company, they want to understand the culture the conversations, the attitudes, who the leadership are, and who am I going to be part of? What's the story of this company? And can I be part of that? And you can't contain that in three minutes on an about page, but you absolutely can contain that in a podcast. You can also use a podcast for client success stories, and you can showcase your people to the world. I mean, who are the people of this brand? People don't care about the brand. People follow people, not brands. So who are the people? Who is the CEO? Who is the client experience manager? Who is the user experience manager? Who are the interns? People want to know everything now. They have a need for transparency and they want to know who your people are and what are the conversations that matter to them. So what does this mean to you and me in the world of podcasts? If you're creating a podcast, if you're running a podcast, the, the paradigm that you choose to, to create that podcast will shape everything that happens on it. So if you think of podcasts as content, then your goal is to create media real estate for advertising. Your content is a proxy. It will be external influencers, actors, voice talents, people who have really nothing to do with your business. In the same way, you could pay an ad agency to create an ad. You know, the people in the ad are actors. They're paid actors. That's it. That is a content-based podcast. But 
a connection podcast is internal and it's authentic. It's your people. You don't need actors or influencers because the most influential people in your organization are your own people. They have stories. They have a network of 150 people that they know authentically. And those people care about your people. So 150 people know 150 people. That's 200,000, 20,000, whatever the numbers are. You get it. The idea is it multiplies out 25,000 people or 22,500 people to be exact. You can reach authentically if you do it through connection. It also means, secondly, that podcasts have to sit higher in the communication stack of your organization. You can employ an omnichannel approach, meaning that you can create one podcast and from that get multiple derivatives, content derivatives, for example, blog posts, ebooks, social media shareables, and the podcast itself. All of that are content derivatives that come out of the podcast itself. The podcast sits at the top of that communication stack. And it also means that we need to reframe how we view podcasts, not as a marketing tool, but as a communications tool. Because you see, marketing is a choice between channels for your message. And the key here is that podcasts are your message. So my name's Graham Brown. You've been listening to the Storytelling Organization, which is a journey into the world of how companies can use podcasts to humanize their brands, how they can grow ecosystems and communities, and how they can create conversations that matter with people who care. 